Alright guys, Triple Six Rivals back here again from the City of Sin as we take you through a journey of the hearts of men and probably one of the darkest of all time. Oh, Who yes. is that, D? Mr. Napoleon Bonaparte, known to some conspiracy theorists as the first Antichrist. Absolutely. And we're going to start right now with a little paragraph that I wrote. Yes. Political violence, we believe, is the providence of the powerful. For thousands of years... The nobility and mercenaries decided the fate of the world. This changed in 1789 with one of the great events, the French Revolution. Citizen armies for the first time were unleashed, and with it, men and women of low birth pointed their muskets and sabers directly at the heads of kings and queens all over Europe. Now, D, tell us about young Napoleon. He comes into the world, I believe it's in the mid... 18th century, right? Uh, he does, yes. Yeah, absolutely. And um, tell us tell us about Napoleon's world. So Napoleon's world, you have to think. There were... Um, France had just lost the Seven Years' War. So devastating. Devastating. Absolutely a, devastating. a near a semi-permanent financial crisis that had involved the entire uh, public financial sphere. Um, within Corsica itself, where Napoleon was from, you had a clash between two factions. If you guys want to read up about how the clash between the Bonaparte faction and the Paoli faction uh, came to be as bad as it did to the breaking point, you're going to have to refer to the website because it's a little too much for us to cover here. Um, but there was a, initially they started as, as Corsican separatists that worked together to sum it up fast for you that eventually broke away because of Napoleon's station as a uh, his position in the French army which at the time the French army was so disorganized because of what was going on uh, explain to us a little bit about what was going on in France at the time T well I know during this time Napoleon comes of age 1789 during, uh, the, during the French Revolution I believe yes. when the, in 1789 Napoleon is about 16 years old He's coming to age in a time of, like I said, great change, but at the same time... And he's back and forth between Corsica and France, too, during this time. He feels like an outsider because he's not completely accepted mm -hmm. by the French because he's Corsican. Well, they even had a terrible derogatory nickname for him. The Little Corsican. He hated it. And I know that his family always wanted the best for him, and from a young age they sent him to a military academy, I think nine years old. Mm -hmm. He didn't come back to Corsica until he was about 6 or 17. At that time, he was deeply involved in revolutionary politics. Yes. Wasn't he Jacobin. a Jacobin? Wasn't he a Jacobin? Now yes. tell us, D. Tell everyone, if, since they don't know, tell us a little bit about the Jacobins. Okay, so after... We're going to get into the formation of it. They were the formation of one of the first political institutions. They start off as a social club. Um, and Inspired by Enlightenment, no? inspired yes by the enlightenment eventually you have two factions that form you have the girondins and you have the jacobins and it results in the french reign the clash between the two factions results in the french reign of terror which the two factions are both groups of enlighteners and a lot of people don't know this but the very notion that we have today here of left and right actually mm -hmm. comes from the french revolution from the from people the that sat Mm -hmm. And the pews during the National Assembly, right? The this liberal ones sat on the left, while the more conservative monarchists sat on the right. Where they broke away was they were um, there was a very radical form of Jacobinism in the Mediterranean, which is the part that was what he was a part of. 
uh, growing up in Corsica, that which was highly violent and it disregarded the rule of law of the current governing regional authority. Absolutely, and this is the world, guys, that Napoleon comes up into. He mm-hmm. witnessed the terror, and there's stories of him seeing people's pikes on heads and him being disgusted by the mob violence. Um, t- tell us a little bit about France's army and how he was able to travel between Corsica and France at well, that time. I know that his defining moment was the the Battle of Tulondi. And here, he was basically able to distinguish himself. There's stories of him being able to basically convince people in the surrounding countryside to give him supplies, cannons. And with this, he was able to mount an assault that basically catapulted him to fame. And from there, there was another incident. But before we get to that, D, I think it's still appropriate that we kind of talk about like what was going on in France at the time that way people can kind of understand in 1789 because one of the main themes of this is people always say right scholars that he was a son of the revolution right he was okay but then at the same time just like all human beings he was he was the ultimate destroyer of it too he came to embody that which he hated the most exactly so he was an outsider he was the first time what i find interesting guys about napoleon is he was for the first time in history He's not from absolute poor dirt birth. He was from minor nobility, but this was the first time in history somebody of his station could even even aspire to be a general, to be a king, to be a council, to be all the things that he eventually became. And it's it's interesting to know at the same time that, you know, like I said, he was a son of the revolution, but at the same time, he ultimately destroyed it. And at this time, young Napoleon, <coughs> young Napoleon was romantic, right, D? He was. There was a part of him that definitely was a romantic. We can actually touch on that. A Absolutely. Lot of historians I, mean, believe I mean, you could tell us, you could tell us about how he was romantic. Tell us about, you know, romantic well, Napoleon. Like... Like many of the romances throughout history, they are some of the most tragic. So, Napoleon fell in love, and he fell hard for Josephine. Now tell us who Josephine was. I know she was a... She's she from a from uh, aristocratic, aristocratic family, family from Martinique, very, right? Very, rich sugar plantation owners yeah. right. at the time. Her family was very, very well off. Okay. Napoleon was not the first husband that she had, okay? She was a, a woman, now, very Now, her, her first woman. husband, I know her first husband was killed yes. during the terror, right? Yes, he was. He died a hero. Um, and for what people don't know what the terror was, what was the terror, Dean? The French Reign of Terror. Oh, yeah, Dean. It, it was... So what had happened as a result of the Enlightenment? So the Enlightenment fought for religious toleration. Well, okay, it was more perse- rights in 1789 than they had. It up was until persecution of Protestants. That's what ultimately led to the breakaway. Is you had people like John Locke, you had all these philosophers, Rousseau, Diderot, D'Alembert, uh, Gilbert. They all were forced to run from persecution for being Protestant for their beliefs. They were heretical beliefs. Okay, so when the Enlighteners won, effectively what there was, was there was an oath that they forced the remaining clergy priests to take. And those who didn't, the reformator- were reformatory priests, 
Okay, so during the Enlightenment, it was the Enlighteners on the other side who believed that the Reformatory priests who didn't take the oath were still loyal to King Louis the Sixteenth, and so they went and they massacred them from village to village. Anyone who did not denounce their loyalty to the Catholic Church, in other words, they they completely massacred them. Right, and the, basically, when it comes to scholars. The very modern conception of political violence and terrorism comes from the French Revolution. Mm -hmm. So it's a highly no contested right to term and topic. Mm -hmm. But there was something called the White Terror, too. And basically, that was reaction, right? That's so. Um, later on, as we get into anarchism and people like Emma Goldman, which we will later on down the road, they refer to things like the Red Terror, how they were met with the, the White Terror. Uh, this, is, this is true. You had two factions that were, um, that had lived on after the Enlightenment that had ended up becoming warring political factions. And, and I know something interesting, but at the same time horrific, one of the worst yeah. crimes you were talking about the reformer your piece it was mm -hmm. the drowning at night and basically they loaded them up into a boat 250 and they put holes in the hull and they dragged them out into the river and they let them drown alive oh my god so this is terrible this was you said this was called the the drowning at night oh wow and that was just one one of the many 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 atrocities committed i believe all in all there was 30,000 people that were guillotined mhm mm you know, these were the this, revolutionaries. And this, to understand Napoleon, the Enlighteners, you really have to understand the world that Napoleon came up in, and you know the terror mm -hmm. had. He was actually the mob violence that he witnessed was. And who the led worst. the terror? D, the people that don't know, Robespierre, right? Robespierre, you one know? of, and, and that was someone who Napoleon, Napoleon followed. Right? Followed, yes, he looked up to this man. So even so, and in his his letters he actually writes we'll, we'll get into what he writes because we're going to cover this in segments we're actually getting ahead of ourselves here all right guys i want to take time to read a little bit more for you guys that don't know the ancien regime basically guys that was the old way of doing things it was feudalism and what was feudalism for people that don't know D? essentially what it was is it was a form of slavery whereby you worked on the land for a certain percentage of that land after you gave a piece of that to the landowner. To the feudal lord, right? This and the lord owed mm -hmm. homage to the king. And basically, this was the way it was for thousands of years. This actually, that's a good point, T, because um, Napoleon hated the landowners. He said that they were the enemy and the aristocrats. This but to really understand what was happening at this time, money started to replace status right the nobility as merchant the merchant class the burgers and people like that started to accumulate more wealth they began to challenge the traditional power structures right the nobility the clergy because the monarchs were running out and of they money. decided to they decided to side with who the common man right the sunculants so that comes from uh you have to cover why that is because uh, especially in france what the king did what king louis the 16th was doing is he was taxing them he no longer had the money to keep these ongoing wars with britain uh, with prussia so on and so forth once he lost prussia as an ally it was pretty much all downhill from there so i think if we're going to tell this story we should start at the beginning right so king louis the 16th right mm-hmm but do, should we go before that? Should we go to his predecessor to go to the 15th? Modern and Pompadour? 
to tell the story right yeah or we should have, we, we go we should we go all the way to the sun king no we have to start with the diamond necklace affair because we did cover the sun king with king frederick the great and so that sets the stage for where we are now right so i think to tell the story correctly d let's start with the diamond necklace affair why don't you tell them about it t oh this is a good one why the diamond necklace affair was so important is because it started with King Louis XVI's predecessor, King Louis XV, and it was a necklace that cost $2 million for his mistress, Madame du Barry. And why this was so scandalous, guys, is because this was at a time when France was deeply in debt, D. And yeah. why were they in debt, D? Because they just got their asses kicked by Great Britain in the Seven Years' War. Now, what happened after the Seven Years' War, this basically shifted the balance of power in Europe, as well as the colonies. This was the rise of Great Britain, and we see the decline of France from its heights. Yes. In the 16th and 17th century. So, guys, this is the world in which Napoleon comes into. At this time, France is deeply in debt. There's been a couple bad harvests. As D so elegantly stated, there's been times where the nobility would eat the butt cheeks of their servants. You told me that oh, right, D. Oh, man, it's so gross. Yes, that's how bad... Uh, that's how bad the famine was in France that year. And these were the conditions leading up to year, what, 1789, right? 1789, yes. And the people thought they were under this false perception that the crown was eating better than they were because they saw these carts full of wheat being carted to and from the castle, so Versailles. Right, and that's the where palace. we get the... the the notion of let them eat cake, right? But Which is actually not true. Not true, really, D. okay. And, unfortunately, this is the world in which young Napoleon comes up into. Yes. So, after the Declaration of the Rights of Man, and this is a revolutionary document, we're going to mm -hmm. pull it up right here. I wish we had time to go over the whole thing, but it's crazy to think that in 1789, they bestowed more rights on people than some places in the world even have today. So, so we'll cover that, though, when we get to the Victorian Truly era. revolutionary document. It revolutionizes mm -hmm. France, and it definitely revolutionized Napoleon, right? Yeah, we're going to pull up some of the artwork for you right now. It's it's pretty awesome, some of this artwork. It's Now, the last thing I want to talk about insane. is something we touched on earlier, right, D? Mm -hmm. It was how Napoleon... He was a romantic, guys, and yes, his great love, his great love was who? Josephine. Josephine. Now tell me, she's an interesting woman. Definitely, definitely. She's a How many lovers did she have, supposedly? She had like 16 a year, almost. She, even by, they say, even by French standards, it was complicated. See, that, that that's a lot right there. So. Now, what do you think drew Napoleon to Josephine? What about her? So she was. She she was beautiful. I know she had long black hair. It wasn't just her beauty. It was her sophistication that drew him her to wit. her. Her wit. It was her power. She held a lot of power based on the connections that she had. She was a a social elite. She wasn't just a social elite. She came from money. You know, her family. They were sugar plantation no. owners. So very very wealthy. So tell us about high salon society. Oh, so the high salon society came to. De we could actually argue that that resulted in the society that we, the social society we have today. Um, Rousseau said that he had a problem with the emerging society because there were going to be social constraints that resulted in um, people's freedoms being taken away from them without them knowing it. Because that which is 
uh, is not what it appears to be anymore. Alrighty. And this will bring us to our next event in Napoleon's life, and that is the Whiff of Grape Shot. And basically, the Revolutionary Wars are in full swing, guys. Mm -hmm. We have counter-revolutionary forces fighting the Jacobins. We have monarchists. We have reforming priests. We have immigrants, which were immigrants out of the country. We had nobility. The country is literally on fire. Yes. And this is a prominent event that catapults Napoleon not only to power, but will lead to our next story about Napoleon in Italy. And this is the whip of Grape Shot. Now, for you guys that don't know what Grape Shot is, D, Grape Shot was an absolutely devastating round. It was small projectiles. Just imagine small balls about the size of half the size of soccer balls tied together by rings and this was shot in a row of six cannons which formed a battery and this was unleashed on battlefields across Europe now this would completely just rip armies to shreds and at this time Napoleon decided when the counter-revolutionary forces the monarchists were marching on the National Assembly at a critical moment yes he told his generals to fire, and he said, let them have a whiff of grape shot. Ooh. And from here, this will lead us into part two, guys, and I can't wait to get to it. Corporal We're going to talk Napoleon. about not only the glory, some of the tactics, but also the absolute atrocities, right, D? Some of the horrendous things that Napoleon had to live through at a young age that transformed him, probably resulting in how he took emperorship. Absolutely. All right, guys. That's it for us, and until next time, we'll see you at part two of Napoleon. Don't forget, like and describe.